from the layman investor to bulge bracket banks to Elon Musk, no one can escape the buzz for cryptocurrencies. So why is that? And what should we as investors do? Here is what matters. Live from our respective coronavirus social distancing outposts, I'm Lauren Goodwin. And I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And this is Market Matters from New York Life Investments. In this podcast, we, the strategists at New York Life Investments, will share insights from the multi-asset solutions team, what we think matters as we manage investment solutions. That includes Mainstay's diversified portfolio series, including the Income Builder Fund, as well as bespoke solutions for our partners. By sharing perspectives and engaging with you, our listeners, we can all become better investors. Welcome, everybody. It's the week of June 21, 2021. Yes, welcome. Happy Juneteenth. And today we're going finally to discuss a topic that we've received so many questions about cryptocurrencies or crypto for short. You may have heard the phrase going to the moon. And this phrase many crypto investors coined, wink, wink for prices of certain crypto coins rising off the charts in recent months. So punny. <laughs> but aside from specialized investors, it seems like everyone is talking about crypto. The COVID-19 pandemic has accelerated interest in digitization in general. Cryptocurrencies is a form of digital assets. The policy response to the pandemic has a lot of investors eager for a potential new inflation hedge as well. Governments are getting increasingly involved as regulation catches up with this technology and economists continue to debate the future of digital assets being used as a mainstream form of exchange. You're so right, Robert. But for our listeners, we're going to focus on just three of those questions. And for the sake of making a convoluted topic as easy to understand as possible, we're also going to talk mostly in terms of Bitcoin, although of course, there are many other different types of cryptocurrencies out there. Again, with the three points, LG? Always with three points is the perfect framework. All right, well, tell me what these three points are. All right, three questions that we think are most important on this topic. One, why are cryptocurrencies so valuable? This digs into the concept of decentralized finance, the pros and cons to digital currencies, and the debate on intrinsic value of these currencies. The second question we'll ask is, what are the challenges that cryptocurrencies face? What's holding back a massive push to make all of my transactions through Bitcoin rather than cash or a credit card? And third, finally, how should investors new to cryptocurrencies think about adding it to their portfolios? Should they add it to their portfolios? And of course, we'll get to that during our portfolio pause. Well, that's a lot to cover in one podcast episode, but they're all super relevant and very timely. We have to talk about all of them. So Lauren, if you don't mind, I actually really want to take that first one. Please do. Why are cryptocurrencies valuable or are they valuable? Yes, that is the key question. And there's many different schools of thought on this, many different ways that people think about it. But a primary draw to cryptocurrencies is that they are decentralized. Not only does that mean that they essentially bypass the bureaucracy of central banks and governments and all the infrastructure that's built around our sovereign currencies, but they are also permissionless, which is a big deal. That means that anyone can participate in the network. You bypass traditional payment systems, which rely on commercial banking. Cryptocurrency enables near instantaneous payments, which eliminates the concerns about defaults or cancellations. There's no foreign exchange rates and increased financial inclusion with some censorship resistance, as I was talking about, particularly for developing countries. 
uh, is very important. And that means that nobody can be denied access for any reason. That's right. And and to be honest, that sort of squares or that vision for cryptocurrencies use case squares with this idea of what the internet has meant for finance. I mean, as a, a normal person, it sometimes doesn't really make sense that there are all these different transaction fees for different types of exchanges of money across borders when at the end of the day, like we're all using the same systems or what feels like the same systems on the internet. But it's not quite perfect yet. Crypto doesn't quite yet fit all of those things you just described. Yeah, but it's an aspirational attempt. And it is important to remember that the currencies that we are used to using, like the dollar or the euro, have been digital for some time. So what kind of challenges exist in the crypto network that don't necessarily exist with the just digital dollars that we use today? That's right. And that brings us to the second question we have around what are the risks to cryptocurrencies, at least right now? And I think the main one impacting us as investors is regulation. And I mean that both as a potential negative in that, you know, perhaps central banks or governments would be concerned about the use of cryptocurrencies for some activities, but also on the positive end. I mean, we have many supports. For example, in the United States, we have the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation or FDIC that guarantees a certain amount of deposits in your bank account so that, that if they get hacked or if something goes missing, you know, the government will make sure that you get made whole. And, and those types of things are missing for cryptocurrency right now. And essentially, because the technology is so new, and with money being a historically government controlled economic policy tool, there's a lot of catching up to do in terms of stabilizing the use of these cryptocurrencies. Yes. And that catching up or the technological change raises a few additional questions not to be confused with our original three. One is just all this technological change is being built on old infrastructure, old ways of doing things. It's like when we invented the car and it had to drive on roads that were meant for horses and carriages. It just might not link up perfectly. But then there's also how will governments regulate cryptocurrency moving forward, which may impact current operations? What will the rise of central bank and private alternatives to cryptocurrency like a CBDC, a central bank digital currency, mean for all these assets? And what is the environmental impact? There's a lot of attention being paid right now on the infrastructure, the unit of accounting for which Bitcoin is maintained, proof of work. It's quite energy intensive. Personally, I would argue that security is expensive, but nevertheless, it could present a risk for uptake. You bring up something, well, you bring up several really interesting things there, but the point about competition from central banks to create a digital currency is really interesting because you essentially have this new development and potentially an acknowledgement from central banks that creating a more mainstream digital form of exchange would be valuable. And if that's something that they do want to regulate would be an area where they need to research and, and put some of their own technological advancement. But what we've seen in markets so far is that the price of Bitcoin is rising and falling in such a volatile manner, really in, in many ways impressive, but certainly volatile, such that at this time, it on its own, absent the central bank forces isn't really acting as a reliable currency yet. Ooh, interesting. I see what you're saying there. That is a different approach to the value argument from before that I was making. What is crypto? Money or an asset? Well, the history of money is, is really quite complex, but there are traditionally three functions that a, an asset or 
security has to have in order to meet the definition of money. It has to be a medium of exchange, a store of value, and a unit of account. But don't blame me for that being three things. That's just economic theory, not <laughs> me <laughs> being OCD about it. Um, so fiat money or the US dollar, for example, fills all three of those requirements. It's a medium of exchange, a store of value, and a unit of account. If we use Bitcoin again as a benchmark, recognizing that it's not the only cryptocurrency, currently Bitcoin can't act as a unit of account. Anything that's priced in Bitcoin today is also priced in dollars or another currency. And so if Bitcoin were to be a unit of account, the number of coins must be independent of its dollar price, which again, isn't the case yet. Bitcoin's also not currently a reliable store of value. As of this moment, Bitcoin is priced based on speculation that the cryptocurrency might become a mainstream money in the future, which is why it's so volatile. And so it, it doesn't quite meet that criteria. And then finally, because there's so much speculation around Bitcoin and so much volatility in its performance, it's not yet a mainstream medium of exchange. It's, it's not used by everyone or accepted by everyone in the economy. Hmm. So my take here is that you're saying that Bitcoin's more of an asset than a legitimate form of money. Yes, that's my take for now. But it raises the question, if it's not money and it is instead an asset or a risk asset or security, then how do you determine what crypto is worth? The million or potentially trillion dollar question, inflation. I think it's difficult to say, but I can try to answer that. And a lot of it comes back to one of the points you're making, which is what is money? Money has existed for a very long time as a way that we as society communicate value to each other. If Bitcoin is going to become one of those communicators of value, then those three principles that you said probably need to come to fruition at some point. Instead, investors may be thinking about Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies in its role in the future of technological advancement and process, how we actually do the financial system 10, 20 years from now. Remember, crypto isn't just a currency. It is a technology, it is a network, and it's a means of transaction. As such, we've witnessed this rapid emergence of development platforms and enabling technologies. These technologies benefit, have inspired the explosion of innovation, and it's built this entire ecosystem of what some people refer to as altcoins, but I'll just say new business models, new financial business models, in which investors can do finance in a decentralized way. And the investment space could be impacted not just by cryptocurrency, but also these new platforms and the investment strategies and customer acquisitions. I love that point. And I just want to double down on it before we move on, because essentially what you're saying is there have been tons of innovations in the asset management and banking industries not least that you know, moving from having to go to a bank teller and, and do your banking in person, we now have mobile apps and a lot of stuff is instantaneous and moved online. You have immediate clearing of your checks and all these really important innovations that make our lives easier. This ecosystem that you're describing is essentially a whole new framework for that. And while we as investors sometimes can say, you know what, maybe you know, cryptocurrency isn't money or it isn't all these things. It is an ecosystem that's really important. And I think it's important for investors to monitor those changes to understand how it gets used, whether it's money or not, or in a portfolio or not moving forward. All right, now it's time for our portfolio pause, a segment of the program where we share an investment idea. We're finally gonna answer our third question from the list before. 
How can investors new to cryptocurrencies think about adding them into their portfolio? Mm. And this time, I think it's really important to discuss considerations that investors should make. And you guessed it, there has to be three of them. Well, look who's using the best framework ever. I admit it, you were right. But back to those three things investors should consider when implementing crypto. First, investors just need to understand the risk profile of the asset class. Whenever you're thinking about investor outcomes, it's important to consider risk. And there's lots of ways to measure risk. Investors have several options here, but across all of them, Bitcoin showed the most potential risk over the 10 years since its inception. Yeah, it's really remarkable. We, we've looked at the charts. And if you go to our website, newyorklifeinvestments.com and click on the insights tab, you can see the charts as well. There's essentially a cyclical drawdown of approximately 80% in Bitcoin every three years, which is a significant risk that Bitcoin investors should just simply be aware of. For many investors, that level of volatility may not be suitable. So it's important to keep that in mind. For those with higher risk tolerance, it's still a lot of volatility. And so often only a small allocation might be appropriate. Right. And the second consideration is to just think about the use case. There are two schools of thought, and we've touched on them a bit already in this episode. The first is comprised of those who believe the technological case for a viable mainstream cryptocurrency disrupting traditional finance, decentralized finance, if you will. The second is for those who are interested in just diversifying their investments with a high volatility asset class that doesn't necessarily correlate to other asset classes. While our broad recommendations for allocation are similar for both groups, the distinction probably impacts the size or specificity or how you go about actually making the investment. Yeah, exactly. And although we would still look at a small allocation, regardless of whether you're in group A or group B, those things might develop over time. And so understanding, you know, really what you're looking for out of the asset class is pretty important. So whether you're you know, just really into cryptocurrency or interested in gaining a little bit of exposure the nature of crypto as an asset makes it such that recommended investment is relatively small. Mm, exactly, which leads me to the third and final consideration for the day, where does crypto fit in the portfolio? What do you mean by that? Um, I mean, just having talked about volatility and what that means for you know, a relatively minimal exposure, that's the takeaway, right? What else is there? Well, I kind of wanted to address a conception out there that's being spoken about. Cryptocurrency is often referred to as a potential inflation hedge for a portfolio. Inflation is the hot topic right now. So it can be tempting to allocate to crypto from your core equity or fixed income portion of your portfolio to try to hedge against inflation, as some investors do with an asset like gold. Got it. But this is not our recommended approach. In our view, Bitcoin is inherently different than gold as it, its intrinsic value is still being defined. And subsequently, the price is just much more volatile and the correlations are non-stationary. Got it, got it, got it. So treat Bitcoin or other altcoins, depending on your approach, as their own asset class, their own consideration in the portfolio, rather than treating them as a replacement for something like gold. Exactly. A diversified alternative portfolio can vary in its composition depending on investor goals and circumstances. It can include things like private assets, private debt, private equity, real assets like real estate or commodities, venture capital, very early stage investments, kind of like crypto, 
or a hedge strategy that implements some sort of market mechanism. Portfolios that include alternative asset classes can vary widely, again, depending on investor goals and risk tolerances, but there's important things that we can learn from treating it that way as you try to make up that allocation anywhere from 5 to 30% of your assets. These are really, really helpful considerations, Robert. And just to sort of bring it home for our listeners, ultimately how optimistic or skeptical you should feel about cryptocurrencies in general, or maybe Bitcoin in particular is really subjective. And as soon as you feel like you've achieved a good understanding of the landscape, a new coin or technicality comes into play, and you really have to keep a pace with these fast moving developments. But with everything we've discussed here today, I'd say the main takeaways for investors are First, to stay open-minded about innovations in digital and decentralized finance as they could play an important role in improving market efficiency, but also in the way that asset managers and banks and other parts of the financial system do business. The second thing is to learn how to separate hype from reality when it comes to why you're investing and, and the way that you'll invest in these forms of innovation. What are extreme run-ups based on? Do you agree with the reasons why the market's running up? And once you've answered questions like these, that'll help you to inform your investment approach. Coming up next, for us on the Multi-Asset Solutions team, we're working on our mid-year outlook and can't wait to share all of those insights with you soon. We've got some great stuff on the economy, on inflation, and a little bit more on those alternative asset classes Robert spoke of earlier. Yes, very excited. It's outlook season. And for the markets, it's a relatively quiet week, or at least compared to last week's uh, Fed week, Federal Reserve meetings. But we do get two important data updates, durable goods orders and personal income, both for the month of May. That should be interesting insight into how the recovery is advancing. Look, we don't expect any major surprises from either of these reports, but good numbers could confirm our view that manufacturing and consumption cycle is continuing for a durable period. That's it for today. We'll be back next week with more Market Matters. Yes, let us know what matters to you. If you have a question or topic of interest, reach out to us on social media. That's right. You can send us your questions or highlight what matters to you by finding us on LinkedIn. You can also, as I mentioned, find our views and charts associated with cryptocurrencies on the website, which is newyorklifeinvestments.com, and clicking either the Insights tab or the Multi-Asset Solutions tab. Until then, I'm Robert Sarenbetz. And I'm Lauren Goodwin. See you next time. Our podcast is produced by Milo Benamont, and our music was composed by the fabulous Zach Young. I'll now read our disclosures from compliance. For more information about Mainstay Funds, call 1-800-624-6782 for a prospectus or summary prospectus. Investors are asked to consider the investment objectives, risks, and charges and expenses of the investment carefully before investing. The prospectus or summary prospectus contains this and other information about the investment company. Please read the prospectus or summary prospectus carefully before investing. There's no assurance that the investment objectives will be met. Past performance is no guarantee of future results, which will vary. All investments are subject to market risk and will fluctuate in value. This material represents an assessment of the market environment as of a specific date. 
It is subject to change and is not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. This information should not be relied upon by the reader as research or investment advice regarding the funds or any issuer or security in particular. The strategies discussed are strictly for illustrative and educational purposes and are not a recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any securities or to adopt any investment strategy. There is no guarantee that any strategies discussed will be effective. This material contains general information only and does not take into account an individual's financial circumstances. This information should not be relied upon as a primary basis for an investment decision. Rather, an assessment should be made as to whether the information is appropriate in individual circumstances, and consideration should be given to talking to a financial advisor before making an investment decision. New York Life Investments is both a service mark and the common trade name of certain investment advisors affiliated with the New York Life Insurance Company. The mainstay funds are managed by New York Life Investment Management, LLC, and distributed by NY Life Distributors, LLC, 30 Hudson Street, Jersey City, New Jersey, 07302, a wholly owned subsidiary of New York Life Insurance Company. NY Life Distributors, LLC is a member of FINRA SIPC.